guys just an update on something from episode two. I did a segment called Weird Things I Google about my neck sizzle. And I already got some feedback. Our friend Ian uh, let me know that he's experienced this too. And his doctor explained that it's actually the sound of air being pulled into the esophagus by his empty stomach. Um, I just wanted to give him a little shout out and thank him for solving this mystery so I don't have to Google that weird thing anymore. I do, however, have to go onto every existing forum and let everybody else know what it is. So they're not just like six years later, like, what's the sizzle? All right, thanks, guys. You know, that's made so much better by the little sheepish little face you make when you do it. But they'll never know that. That's true. Well, they'll never see that. Let's post a picture that. of that. Of a little goof face with a little teethies popping out. My little teethies. Oh my goodness, I just noticed the googly eyes on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that I put those on there last night. There are googly eyes. Okay, so during last night's recording of the dude cast. Uh, someone was saying that it was Corey who was saying he was just looking at the microphone and just talking to the microphone instead of the rest of us. And so I, I went upstairs and grabbed a pair of googly eyes. To- because you should know <laughs> that well, your your co-host over here is a person that just has googly eyes on hand. Yep, yep. Just having just having some googly eyes. Just I am googly eyes. I am googly eye having drogsy. I am co-hosting. With uh, with uh, with the uh, starey eyeball poured, um, mm-hmm. and this is Goose Chase, episode, Goose episode Chase. three, episode three, our third episode. Yes, we uh, at this point uh, do not yet have a podcast host, uh, but at the time you hear this, that won't matter because we'll have it and you'll be hearing it. Yeah, they they don't care. They don't give a fuck. None of that matters. It don't matter. It don't matter. Yeah. I don't know. Our third episode. Our third in, episode. In as many weeks. In as many weeks. So that's pretty good. Um, I'm liking it so far. Yeah. I'm enjoying myself. Uh, today we're going to get into some real weird shit. I'm super excited about the main topic. Um, I had fun researching this. Yeah. It was also a little painful. Of course. Of course, it, it would have to be. I don't want to spoil anything for the later it's, part of the episode. It was. But. It's just a lot of information yeah. and a lot of, if you're not already well-versed with the topic and you don't believe in it necessarily, yeah. you're not in that world. It's just like overwhelming. Yeah. But we'll get to that it later. Probably, they probably already know what it is from the title of the page that they're looking <laughs> I'm at sure. right now. So. I'm sure. We haven't decided what that will be yet, but yeah. it'll, it'll probably be obvious enough. Yeah. Um. So, to start off, let's uh, break them in with a little bit of news. Oh boy, the news quiz. So, 
As our listeners know by now. Obviously. The news is like two truths and a lie, except it's two lies and one truth. Two lies and one truth. Two lies. From this humongous big universe one of ours. Truth. Yeah. So we we pick one actual headline and then we make up or find mm-hmm. two false headlines. Right. And the other person needs to guess. In this case being me. You need to guess which one is real. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously which are false. So far we have a pretty good stumping record going on here. We are zero for zero. I think, I think so. I can't remember for certain, but we're doing pretty good at stumping. No, we are. We're zero for zero. <laughs> I remember well. Okay. Neither of us are doing very well at this. It's a hard game. We're, we have proven to each other time and time again that we're excellent liars. That's great. It's a good foundation for a relationship. It's a good thing to know in a relationship at the very remember, least. Remember that time you lied to me for like six months? It was, it was good. It yeah. was good. It's good to learn these things. <laughs> <laughs> Do I sound like I'm convincing myself uh, still? Uh. Anyways, I want to start. Okay. What do we got? Three things. Okay. That are headlines. Okay. Hit me. Let's start. Hit me. I'm into it. Let's go. New studies show laughter doesn't lead to longevity. Hmm. Okay. I'm suspicious of this one already, but all right. Paducah, Kentucky man who booked prostitute finds it's his own wife. Ugh. It's like the pina colada story except with hookers. In more Kentucky. (laughs) Okay. Last one. You will never be forgotten, headstone, left behind at airport. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I so want that to be the true one. That's so good. Like Like a whole headstone, presumably in transit to someone's grave. You will. That says, says you, you will, will never, never be, be forgotten. forgotten. Left at it was the airport. Left behind. <laughs> oh my god, that hits me like right in the like grief bone. I yeah, think. <laughs> it's that part of you that like when you when you stab at it a little bit, you yeah. just have to laugh it's because the, other. Yeah. If not, you'll just cry and never stop. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's right in the sad funny bone. Yeah, which is right next to the funny funny bone. There's no funny funny bone. That's a myth. <laughs> Um, That'll be one of our topics. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Okay, so Paducah where is the other one? Paducah, Kentucky pa- man Paducah. who booked prostitute finds it's his own wife. Oh, man. That could be that could be real, but I'm, I'm a little shaky on it. I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to move. Oh, God, I hope that's not real. <laughs> that one's not even funny. That's just tragic. Uh, and then the other one is new studies show laughter doesn't lead to longevity. You know, I can kind of buy that one because as we have just discussed, there is something, a connection between laughing a lot and being real, real sad in there somewhere. So I can see maybe laughter is actually just a symptom of crushing grief <laughs> that is probably on its way to killing I mean, you anyway. Look, look at all of the the comedians and otherwise really funny people yeah. that we we lose. Yeah, all the funny people. Uh, that are actually real, real sad inside. Yeah. Ooh, 
This one is this a tough is a one. real. I didn't mean for this to be depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gosh, how is. you got people dying. You got a, a, a you know a spousal infidelity, and you've got someone's tombstone. So this is just all, coming up all garbage. All cheery topics. Uh, I am I'm not sure about this one. You have done which, really well here. Which one's true, BB? I am hoping. Oh boy, I'm hoping. I'm just voting on hope here. I'm hoping it's the you will never be forgotten tombstone final answer. You're right. Yes! <laughs> oh, yes! You are right. Oh. You've broken our losing streak. Oh, so good. Okay. Hit me with the details. I love this. So this is from uh, Herald News. Mm-hmm. And I was able to find... So what I've been doing to kind of check myself is, A, make sure there's a byline on the article. Yeah. And then try to find a couple other independent sources that repeat the same, repost the same thing. Sure. That seem like valid sources. Because I originally thought the Paducah, Kentucky one was going to be my real one. Right. I found it on Not the Onion. Oh. And then as I was reading it, I was only finding the one source and it didn't really seem credible. And, uh, credible. and then I snopsed that. Yeah. And I didn't find that particular one but i found the exact same word for word yeah headline with a different city superimposed and then i was like okay this isn't this is just a thing that goes around and someone on reddit on not the onion was taken in by it i wonder if it was a back page ad that just asked if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain i mean obviously it was pointed out that it was (laughs) basically the theme of that song Which, let me just say, yeah, it's it's a shitty, it's, that, it's just stupid, it's right. a horrible song, it's catchy. It's catchy I really like it. The best version of that song, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is a cover by the band Manchester Orchestra. Okay. Because they make it as sad and depressing as it really is. Yeah, like it's not supposed and, to be cute. Yeah, I don't know why it was ever written Something about way. their version just really speaks to me. It's so... <laughs> it's gorgeous and melodic and so depressing yeah. and like ugh, it never love sat it. with I me that it. they were okay after it's like don't, no. don't you guys just get a divorce now and move on yeah that's how that <laughs> fake article ended yeah but that's not how the song ends. the song apparently. should have ended in a divorce seriously yes it just doesn't make sense yeah. to me that it didn't yeah if you like crippling issues <laughs> that cannot be resolved, <laughs> yeah, come to the courthouse. We'll get this marriage dissolved. There we go. Better song, better ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, we'll leave so that one out for them <laughs> to decide. The real, the real article. You will never be forgotten headstone left behind at airport. Love this. So it's a headstone with an inscription, you will never be forgotten. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to read this first paragraph. Yeah, just give it to me straight. A toilet seat and a cistern (laughs) and a live turtle are among the more bizarre items left behind by passengers at Dublin Airport. (laughs) So this is basically an article about the weird stuff that's gotten left behind. Yeah, like just Dublin's lost and found. Despite the epitaph, you will always be remembered, never forgotten. The owner of the headstone seemingly forgot all about their dearly departed (laughs) and misplaced the memorial at the drop-off point to the departures area at Terminal 1 a few years ago, according to DAA spokeswoman Audrey O'Hagan. Oh, my God. Uh, Toilet seat and cistern were also found abandoned at the departures entrance in the airport. A life-size mannequin 
human ashes. Oh my god. False teeth. And a glass eye. This sounds like a bad costume. Were also items consigned to the airport's lost and found section. Guys, if you're in Dublin and you need a Halloween costume, just go to the airport's lost and found. Claim all these items. Just claim everything. They're free. You could just have them. Just take them. They don't want that toilet and cistern. (laughs) I want Um, the ashes. I don't know. You give them a nice burial. They give you a year to reclaim your items. Hmm. It's a nice little grace period. Not bad. Um, they, there are a large number of abandoned crutches. There's just a lot of faith healing happening in the airport. <laughs> uh, and wheelchairs have also wound up in the lost and found. Don't get that. Leading airport staff to wonder whether some miraculous recoveries have taken place <laughs> within the terminals. Um, wow. The headstone's by far the weirdest one. And yeah. most tragically ironic. Yeah. The DEA's list of items recently left and available for collection for a limited time also raised some interesting questions about who has been passing through the gates. Mm -hmm. A brown envelope was left behind by a passenger on July 14th, while a set of cast iron dungeon keys were found on June 11th. (laughs) One passenger attempted to transport a large boulder from an Irish beach as a souvenir for their garden, (laughs) even though it weighed a hefty 15 kilograms and could have been used as a weapon. But obviously there weren't a lot to take it. I guess if you could use that as a weapon, you could use most things as a weapon. I don't know if that's fair. But it's like, it's a big boulder. Like, (laughs) you you can't just take that. Can't you check that bad boy under the plane, maybe? To get to that, a large anchor chain link was also taken off another passenger for similar reasons, while chainsaws and angle grinders have been consigned to checked-in luggage for security reasons. So (laughs) check your chainsaws, people. Makes sense. While airport staff are used to seeing pretty much everything go through the x-ray scanner, they were taken aback when a passenger tried to take a kitchen sink in their hand luggage. Okay. Uh, It's everything but the kitchen sink, guys. Yeah, seriously. Leave the kitchen sink. A passenger tried to get on a flight with a live turtle in their pocket, finally handing it back unharmed to a family member who was not flying. Um... Can you imagine getting that call from, like, your brother? Dave, David, I need you to come to the airport. I need you to take this turtle. <laughs> they're not going to let me take the turtle. They're going to flush him. They're, they're going to flush him. They're not going to let me take the turtle to Jamaica with me, Dave. <laughs> this was Squishy's first big vacay. A squishy? You named it Squishy That's in my head. That's a bad name for a turtle. It's, it forebodes bad things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two seconds to name it. Okay, okay. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> well, you won. Oh, wow. You won All that right, one. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I'm very happy with that. And then the other one was completely made up. The The new study show laughter doesn't lead to longevity. Yeah. I just made that up. Could absolutely be true and sounds awfully <laughs> I, true. I was also thinking along the lines of like, if you're already in poor health and you're doing things like laughing, that could be strenuous physically. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's like you have mi- a heart attack. It's the mildest form of exercise that exists. <laughs> it's just... Uh, 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 all right. Well, I want to um, use the uh, this the second segment to talk about something that I already mentioned to you that, uh, that you know that happened. But I think it bears a little bit of discussion on our show. Okay. Which is huge news as of today, um, which is already dating this podcast, unfortunately. Uh, but... Uh, as of today, 
the Kleins, Hila and Ethan Klein, won their lawsuit. Yeah, you they... mentioned this briefly to me, and we haven't <coughs> talked about it aside from you texting me by the way they won their lawsuit and me going, yay! Yeah, which is huge news and has, of course, <laughs> very large implications for fair mm-hmm. use on YouTube. It's a big deal. Yeah. So in, in, for anyone listening to this who doesn't know about this, uh, Elon and Etha Klein are the hosts of a series of shows under the, the production company or label H3H3 Productions. So uh, they have a, a handful of YouTube channels, a Twitch stream, you know, a couple of different shows. And one of the biggest formats for their, for their, their media is reaction videos to other videos on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in order to do those, it just stands to reason you have to include some parts of the videos that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. if what they do is, you know, like criticism, which I think it is, and it's, you know, re- reacting to a, a video, that it, it's, it seems fair, you know, as is the fair use policy everywhere else, that they should be able to use limited quantities of that material in order yeah. to show and then talk about it. Uh, and they were sued by a... YouTube user uh, named uh, named Matt Haas, who ran the Matt Haas Zone, which I'm sure you. Uh, What's his other name? Uh, that was a oh, bold guy. Is the bold guy is the channel, right? Bold, bold guy is the character that yeah. in the videos on the Matt Haas Zone, <laughs> um, which are all these creepy videos of this parkour kind of, guy. Kind of, it's parkour. It's kind of pickup artisty. It's mostly harassment, and then chasing women, and then women chasing him. At least that's the specific video that they were discussing. There's a, there's a lot more of there's where that came of from. I can't bear to really watch more than that. Yeah. It's fascinating in the way that a, a gruesome train accident is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's like the same it's reason. Except it's more soul deadening to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's worse than seeing an actual train crash with yeah, body parts everywhere. Yeah, because at least I know, like, they've experienced a sweet release of death. <laughs> and that poor woman in that video has to live the rest of her life knowing what she's done. <laughs> she has to always be the girl that was in that bold guy video. <sighs> but anyway, uh, for, for using segments of his video <clears throat> uh, in talking about his video, and, you know, like, they were no more than, like, you know, ten seconds at a time. I mean, small segments. Uh he was he was so upset and so offended that they criticized his video that he you know sued them. Uh, now over a year ago, I think it was probably about a year and a half that they have and been. I know. I want to be really clear though. Mm-hmm. We've watched that video. It was taken down, mm-hmm. but there are ways to find things. Yeah, people re-up yeah. things. So I watched that video multiple times, and we've watched basically all the content H three H three. Yeah. Have produced on every, basically every channel they have, yeah, including listening to their podcast, and they were very fair to him. Which is a point they made is that they like, weren't mean, they weren't cruel. They might have made some jokes, mm-hmm. some of them really absurd. So it's like yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, maybe a little crass, but not pretty crass. But not stuff. Cruel. I think there was some about mayonnaise. Mayonnaise and mayonnaise in the carrots? mouth and the carrot in the butt. I don't know what they're talking about. It was very weird. <laughs> if you watch their stuff, you yeah. understand. But they've been cruel—not even cruel. They've been harsher on other people. Yes, they have. I do think they're very fair people overall. They—they they are funny about it. 
They're not sitting there being sticks in the mud and being like, well, you can't do that on the internet. They make jokes. Right. That's, it's YouTube. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's, um, I don't know, I think it's a worthwhile enterprise and many of their viewers and listeners seem to agree as well. So it's been a year and a half since they were first plunged into mm-hmm. this lawsuit. Uh, the last that the case had any update was in March, at which point the judge, uh, essentially, I forget what they call it. But there's a, a sort of a, there's a term for essentially placing the case on a sort of a suspend. I think it was that the clients were seeking a summary judgment, mm-hmm. which is like, all right, let's just get this out of the way. Like, can can the judge rule at this point? It's like a motion to ask the judge if they can rule. I believe. Yeah. Um, so after since March, it's you know how many months now? Uh, they finally have uh, have a, a verdict in the case. Mm-hmm. The judge ruled in favor of the Kleins on several counts, uh, not the least of which being that you know one of Matt Haas's claims was that someone could mistake that video for the original somehow, or that it was serving as a substitute for the original mm-hmm. video, and therefore like just using his content just to. Just to make money by way of stealing his content, like confusing a viewer. I mean, they're in the video multiple times. It's clearly branded as their own channel. Yeah. The, the, I, the, there's no real argument there. The titles I mean, weren't the same. They were in no yeah. way confusing. They could not be mistaken for each other. Uh, and that was what the judge found as well. And uh, secondarily, there was... Uh, what was the other issue of his? Um, they that, countersued, that, right? No, they did not. Uh, they did not counter sue, and it's probably wise that they did not because there's not a chance Matt Haas can pay up now. Mm-hmm. Because what fortune he seems to have had, he actually seems to have had an inheritance, a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. It seems that he has squandered pretty much all of it on this case. Uh, the last someone had seen of him, he was working at Papa John's somewhere, which sounds like a joke coming out of the Kleins yeah. uh, fan base, but it's Papa it's, Bless. Yeah, Papa Bless. Um, so the, his other contention uh, was that they. Um, they're talking about the legal implications of the suit while the suit was going on on YouTube somehow constituted unfairness or that it might influence, I don't know, like a potential jury, I mean, things like that. I don't know. Like, you think your jury's, your jury's going to be fellow YouTubers? Right, exactly. Uh, but the judge found not only was it not in any way attempting to, it wasn't prejudicial to the case or something like that or whatever, however they, however they phrase this. Mm-hmm. It also was, by and large, factual. It wasn't misleading. And on yeah. those two grounds, the judge also dismissed that uh, complaint uh, from Matt Haas. I will say... All the stuff they put out on it, and they didn't even really do that many videos about the case because it was a giant bummer. They were yeah. being sued. You don't want to think about that. It came up a few times. Um, but they did a few videos. Yeah, it wasn't really like the focus of more than it one It was video. basically just like checking in and being like, hey, I know you guys want to know. Yeah. This is what's happening right now. Thanks for your support. Mm-hmm. These are kind of the facts of the case at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about something else. The, the important thing about this is that this now establishes some kind of precedent in case law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's bound to come up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sort of thing comes up all the time. Uh, people are constantly issuing takedowns or, the, you know, DMCA requests or other totally legal ways of pursuing, you know, content creators over disputed content. And that's not likely to stop. But another lawsuit on behalf of, you know, one content maker to another specifically uh, when it comes to this this format, uh, is very likely to see precedent referenced uh, when the judge, you know, sees the case. 
So it has really, really big implications. And the clients have paid dearly for this at this yeah. point, thousands of dollars a month for over mm-hmm. a year and a half. So um, it's a really, really big victory for fair use, which, mm-hmm. you know. The, I'm, I'm happy for them, but I'm also happy for the Internet. Yeah. The, the other content providers, other people who do these kinds of videos. It, There's a lot of them. It is a living for some people. Yeah. And, you know, you you cannot like YouTube or you cannot like people who make their money this way. Sure. But there's a reason they make the money because there are people going and watching their videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like us. Sure. And if this is what you do for a living, you you need to be protected. You need to know that, mm-hmm. like, you can make a video and not get the pantsuit off you. Even if it's not what you do for a living. Yeah. Joe Schmo can make one video Mm-hmm. And have his life be ruined without a precedent like this. So yeah. this is a really, really important good thing that just happened. Yeah, it has broad implications, far beyond reaction videos. I mean, any kind of video that makes reference to other content could be, you know, uh, could be seen as similar to this case. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really, really big victory for, you know, intellectual property as far as, you know, fair use goes. Um I mean, the other the other podcast that I do, the Three Dudes podcast, mm-hmm. we release that under the Creative Commons license and allow derivative works, and people can use. It's all right there in the license. People can use it if they want to. They can grab it, cut parts of it out, put it together, mm-hmm. do whatever they want with it. Uh, and I expect that we'll probably do something very similar with this. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's I'm a big believer that information it wants to be free and should be free, and that. You know, using works in another work is part of how we create great new art, you know? No one wants their stuff, their ideas, their hard work to... No one wants someone to take that and claim it as their own. Right. But... And that's not quite what this is. That wasn't what that was. Right. There is a big difference, and that's why this precedent is important. Because taking a part of someone else's work and making it into something else referencing someone else's work that's okay yeah that's not plagiarism that's not claiming something as your own Mm -hmm. that is making it into something new Mm -hmm. it's it can you imagine a world when you like couldn't make a movie reference because someone would sue you yeah right like that's what this is you couldn't reference someone else's video imagine a world without hip-hop i do it all the time it's really sad (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, you know, great beats, great pieces of music have been sampled and rearranged yeah. to form these great, amazing new things. And if you hold intellectual property rights to, to that standard that, you know, nothing can be taken and reused under mm-hmm. any circumstances, you lose a hell of a lot of music. And, I mean, YouTube's not new now. No, it's not. But this these issues are still relatively new. Mm-hmm. We've had kind of some precedents regarding music use for for this kind of thing for a while right but as far as youtube goes and 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 this kind of issue for internet videos yeah it's still being developed so this is a big win yeah. it's a win for the good guys Ethan and Hilo, we love you. Mm-hmm. Um, Please keep making. You guys are awesome. They promised a video is forthcoming stuff. about this, so that I'm, I'm very excited, excited for to that. See. Um, if you guys are listeners who don't exist yet, but hopefully will. Um, haven't watched our videos? Please do. Yes. I kind of think of them as like the the moral compass of YouTube. 
they haven't really put out any videos that I watched what they did and went, well, that's just mean. Or no, they don't have a point. Like, yeah. I think they're usually on the right side of things. And Everything they're entertaining they valid and they're criticism. fun. Yes. Valid criticism. You know, it's uh, there's times when they... There's times I will say when they are a little bit harsh. But that's the nature of, like, critique. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you if you make a play, if you make a movie, you make an album, it's going to go out there. Someone's going to critique it. If and they're going to tell you what they there, think. Everyone's going to have an opinion on it. Yeah. That witnesses it. So in a big way, this is the sort of barometer of YouTube is H3. In a lot of ways, they are the most credible barometer of YouTube. They deserve your subs and reviews. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Check them out, please. Mm-hmm. Um, be happy for them. Be happy for the internet on this day. I hope they're this sucking down a bottle really of champagne good. right now. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Sucking down something. No, uh, you gross. Uh, anyway, <laughs> what I do. Uh, so right. anyway, that's it for my segment. So we are going to take a little bit of break here, and we're going to come back with the main segment for this episode. So stick around mm-hmm. for more goose chase. Yeah, prepare to get your pants spooped off. Is oh, pretty spoopy. Mm-hmm. Spoopy. Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, that song is sad. We were listening to the Only Living Boy in New York. I love uh, that song. It's sad, actually, because the the it whole is. concept of that song is like like Paul Simon feeling all sad about Art Garfunkel going away. <laughs> it's, it's like the idea is that their relationship was kind of like starting to Dissolving, fracture. Yeah, yeah, and just like anyway, yeah. The gist of that just being that Art Garfunkel was away doing something else, and Paul Simon. Was Feel sad. A mopey. Just a mopey Paul Simon. Mopey Paul Simon. He's just a little whiny guy. Aww. I don't know. I love Paul you Simon. You know, though. she had diamonds on the soles of her shoes. There's a really great. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm trying to remember if it's, it is. It's this album. Uh, it's it's the cover of this album. If you look at it a certain way, and my phone is clipping it off perfectly, the top of Paul Simon's hair looks like our Garfunkel's big mustache. <laughs> <laughs> that's the the cover for right. Bridge Over Troubled Water. So if you if you look at that and just kind of crop it out with your fingers, you get a weird little Art Garfunkel, the giant mustache. That <laughs> <laughs> just looks really good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Are you ready? I am so ready for, for our this topic. Main topic. I'm so ready so, for this. So Dave and I discussed. He told me what he wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's a doozy. I wanted to know all about... What do you want to know about? These sneaky, conniving, lizard-skinned, globe-ruling, no-respect-having reptilians that are crawling all over Earth. You should want to know about it. Considering as they run everything. Because they're our overlords. (laughs) These sneaky snakes. Literally the only thing that I know about them, (laughs) as far as what people say about them, (laughs) is that you can catch them 
blinking with their double eye on the TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that they run everything and that everyone is one. If you wait long enough, you'll find proof of it. That's basically the gist of it. <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Um, so there's just so much here. And the way I decided to start, instead of just going full bore into reptilians, because I felt like it was going to be too overwhelming for me, mm-hmm. I... I needed an angle, yeah. and that angle was David Ick, because oh, he is right. the person who is popularized, not came up with originally, mm-hmm. but popularized this concept. His friends call him Mr. Icky. <laughs> I hope not. I hope so. Oh. <laughs> They're nah. not good friends. Yeah. He's, he's not a good man. Poor, well, I'm, I'm not going to pass judgments. <laughs> okay. But. You tell me then. Let's get into it. Okay. So David Ick is a British man. He was was a footballer, also known as a soccer player. Uh, To those on the correct side of the earth, right? Uh, uh, We are wrong. It's football. Mm. Just accept that it's football. Uh, I played soccer for years, but... Don't tread on me. Football! Don't don't tread on me. Sounds way better than soccer. England, you're treading on me. I'm sorry. (laughs) He was a goalkeeper. (laughs) And he he got arthritis. Mm -hmm. And he had to stop playing. He became a reporter and then a sports broadcaster. He was pretty well known, pretty well respected. Um, He started to get into alternative medicine and kind of new agey stuff because of his arthritis lurking lurking for a curve lurking in his ankle (laughs) yes the arthritis that was just lurking okay um he was looking for remedies and cures and through that got interested in the green party okay (laughs) and became one of their four principal speakers within six months of joining the green party interesting um, he, he's written a lot of books. Okay. Um, his first book was called It's a Tough Game, Son. He wrote that in 1983 about breaking into football. Mm-hmm. Um, his second book was called It Doesn't Have to Be Like This. He wrote that in 1989. And that was about the environment. All right. There are many things to know about David Ick. Okay. There are many things to disagree with him on. There's also stuff I don't disagree with him on. Okay. Like, he is basically an environmentalist in a lot of ways. And sure. And on some issues, he's kind of on the right side of things. Well, and that's people what, are complicated, you know. Yeah, that's what makes stuff like this so interesting and so difficult. Because when you hear something really bizarre, you want to write people off. Sure. And it kind of makes me feel for David Ick because... I'll get into it more later as I talk about him, but people knew him and had an opinion of him. It wasn't a bad opinion. Yeah, I'm sure he's a hero to many, you know? Like, that's a great starting position. We'll we'll go there. But in 1990, he was at a newsagent's, just like a a magazine or bookshop. Mm -hmm. He felt a force pull his feet to the ground. I wrote... Gravity? Gravity? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I say I feel it too. How spooky! It's pulling my on butt the same right page now. There, and then he heard a voice guide him towards some books. 
And in this specific section of books, one of them was Mind to Mind by Betty Shine. She's a psychic healer. Okay. So he, he learned of Betty Shine through her book. He wrote to her, presumably to receive healing because of his arthritis. Yeah, funny how psychics can't just reach you over your brainwaves. they got to get you yeah. to buy a book. Yeah. Well, there's two ways. There needs to be a connection. Mm. They can't just read everybody. You need like a lock of your hair or something. They, a, a little, a little piece of soiled clothing. <laughs> oh, has to be soiled. Um, they need your rest. Do I get to pick? <laughs> nope. Okay, cool. It's gonna be your underwear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a psychic now. Mm-hmm. I just want your dirty underwear, I guess. I don't know where that was going. That's weird. Let's um, move on. <laughs> so he wrote to her, yeah. and then they met several times. She told him a lot of things. I'm sure. Um, among these, that he was sent to heal Earth, that he would become famous but would face opposition. He would write five books in three years. The spirit world would pass messages to him. In 20 years, there would be a flying time machine. It would render time irrelevant. <laughs> and there would be earthquakes oh. in unusual places. Hold on a minute. That, okay, this is a really weird list for one reason. <laughs> Many of those things are just sort of like they're going to happen no matter what. There's going to be earthquakes. Well, you, you can write a bunch of books if someone tells you to. You know when you go to a cold reading. <laughs> And you start slow, uh-huh. and the person seems to be more and more into it, Yeah, and then you just go, and there's going to be a time machine. <laughs> that's, that's the weirdest one. It's like, I guess she must have felt like, well, I got him. He's really into it. Mm-hmm. Let's throw something totally bizarre out there. Mm-hmm. How yeah. much can he swallow? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the question. How much can David Ick swallow? On that's next week's we podcast, we play, how much? Can David Ick swallow? Uh, David Ick will be here. Ba da ba, Okay. Great so, game show. I love it. He starts receiving these spirit messages. <clears throat> sure. He does a lot of automatic writing. My oh boy. One of the things he comes up with is the phrase "I am son of Godhead." <laughs> he interprets Godhead to mean infinite mind. Okay. He's the son of the infinite mind. Okay. Um, is that special to him, or is that like everybody, or really just him now? I, I guess just him. That's I think it, I think it has to do with his his channeling and receiving the spirit messages. He is of wow. this infinite connected mind. He is receiving these messages other people aren't receiving. Yeah. It's his job to tell people about so it. So what do you know? If you just write out of your subconscious, you discover you're a child of God. Well, of the Godhead, oh, of the, my, of the conscious mind, of my mistake. the infinite mind. <laughs> you're like Don't a, come on. You're like a, This is outrageous, David. What you're saying is ridiculous. Proto-Jesus. Does that make it better? It's a little better. Okay. <laughs> um, he meets Deborah Shaw, who's a psychic. Mm-hmm. Um, she later changes her name to Maria or Mariah Shawson. Which I found weird because it was her original last name with S-U-N added on the end. That is odd. Um, S-U-N? S-U-N, I think, is how it was spelled. That's very interesting and weird. Um, His first wife, who he was married to when he met Deborah, was Linda Atherton. She later changed her name to Michaela because of the Archangel Michael. Um, 
Okay. He kind of started a relationship with Deborah while he was with Linda, supposedly with her blessing. They all lived together for a while. At this point in my notes, I wrote weird stuff with love triangle because I didn't want to get into deciphering all that. It's not really important. No. They had some kind of relationship. He he had kids with Linda before he had at least one kid with Deborah. There's stuff there. It's like a big story. It's, it's like the makings of a little cult house. It's a, It never really went to that well, that I know of, and never really went to that place. Okay. They eventually, he divorced Linda at some point. He never married Deborah. He ends up remarrying to someone else later. But his personal relationships aren't the important part. Right. Um, in 1991, he resigns from the Green Party. Um, basically, he was like, I'm about to say some shit. Shit's gonna go down. Okay. Um, and they're like, okay, fair enough. Um <laughs> You go, you go, you go do you. You do your thing. <laughs> we'll be here saving the world. Uh, one week later, yeah. he announced he's the son of Godhead. He also told reporters that the world would end in 1997. Oh, boy. This, these are all things he's gotten from automatic writing. Um, <laughs> it would be preceded by a hurricane around the Gulf of Mexico and New Orleans. There'd be eruptions in Cuba. Disruption in China, a hurricane in Derry, an earthquake on the Isle of Iran, L.A. would become an island, New Zealand would disappear, and the cliffs of Kent would be underwater by Christmas. Mm, I wonder if he meant 2097, because I feel like we're going there. Well, it clearly didn't happen. I guess not. In 1997. <laughs> so, he, after, after he announced this, obviously people are like... We have to have him on our show because he's saying some stuff. Yep, great for one ratings. Of, one of these people was Terry Wogan, who had a show called Wogan. Mm-hmm. On April 29th, 1991, on the he had David on the show. And he he interviewed him about this Son of Godhead, end of the world prediction stuff. And Wogan gave him a hard time. And <laughs> like maybe rightfully do. so. Yeah. He's saying some really intense stuff. He's predicting the end of the world. Yeah. So the audience was obviously laughing at some of David Icke's statements. Uh, at one point, David Icke says, laughter is the best way to remove negativity. And Wogan replied, but they're laughing at you. They're not laughing with you. Oh, damn. Um, so he didn't even let him get away with that. No. Wogan did interview him later in 2006 and he kind of apologized for being sharp with him. Right. For being maybe a little too heavy-handed. Maybe. Um, this interview destroyed David Icke. No I mean, he, he was saying stuff before that obviously people were like, okay, this is weird, right? Which led to the Bogan interview. Yeah. But that interview just like... Have you watched the entirety of it? I didn't watch it. I'm I only read to. about it. I would, I would like to. Yeah. Um... It obviously people lost respect for him, and yeah. and it is kind of sad because he's kind of sad right yeah, now. He was a well respected figure, and yeah. they he just lost respect. I think that's really the reason Wogan probably apologized. He's like an overnight because he's joke. like overnight you're turned from someone who had respect, and now you're the laughing stock. That's now, sad. David. Ick, he he talked about it a little bit. He basically said, like, 
This was his worst nightmare as a child, was being humiliated. Uh, and he was humiliated, but it ended up being the best thing that could happen because it allowed him to kind of explore these ideas he had and write these books without really fearing public shame because, oh, well, it already happened. Yeah. Do what you're going to do. So he kind of turned himself into... he. He wrote more, and he became a public speaker. He's kind of infamous for doing really long, intense talks, like 10 hours long at times. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. And all the stuff he's written and all of this material, you could easily talk for 10 hours about all this. Yeah. Especially if you're making it all up. Like, <laughs> Right, yeah. So, <laughs> in May of 1991... He wrote a book called The Truth Vibrations uh, about... He had at one point taken a trip to Peru. He had a spiritual experience there at a pre-Inca Silastani burial ground. And he referred to it as his kundalini, which is a yoga term for, like, activating your chakras. Oh, which okay. is what opened up to receiving these spiritual messages. Right, okay. Um, in 1992, so he's continuing to write and becoming a public speaker... 1992 through 1994, he writes five books, which are published by mainstream publishers. The fifth book is called The Robot's Rebellion. Okay. And this is where people are starting to go, hmm, it's a little anti-Semitic. <laughs> um, I was waiting for this angle. <laughs> he relied on, in his book, he references a book called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Oh, boy. It's it's blatantly anti-Semitic. <laughs> oh my it God. reveals, in quotes, a conspiracy by Jewish people to achieve global domination. <laughs> it was exposed as fiction in 1920. Yeah. It kind of, like, people kind of forgot about it. It wasn't important anymore. It wasn't in the mainstream. Yeah. And then in the 1950s, there was renewed interest by the American far right. Because, mm -hmm. of course. Gosh, can't imagine why. And then it was kind of picked up by, eventually picked up on the internet by these kind of groups. Yeah. Uh, like conspiracy me. groups and stuff like that. Okay. Um, he so, also references, oh, go ahead. I was say, is the, so can I understand correctly that the, the concept of the protocols of the elders of Zion is that it's written to sound like, hey, Jews, fellow Jew here, here's how we be Jewish. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's... Was it set up to sound like, like it was like, oh, here's how we do being Jewish? I'm not sure if it, I, I don't think it was like that. I don't think it was like, oh, hey, we're all Jews and we're all taking over the world. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was more like someone wrote it as an expose on, hey, oh. the Jews are trying to take over the world. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. He also references Behold a Pale Horse, which is a book written in 1991 by Milton William Cooper, who was involved in the American militia movement. Okay. In his book, he references the, um, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. He calls them the Protocols or the Illuminati Protocols. Oh, boy. He also references extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. Ugh, can't it, talk. Extraterrestrials. Extra radishes, please. Extra radishes. <laughs> um, 
His definition of Illuminati was a brotherhood elite at the top of the pyramid of secret societies worldwide. Okay. Okay. Sounds a little bit familiar to these kind of people. Yeah. Um, I had to number my pages because yeah, I have like a, six I pages. Say you do. You have notes. like six pages of material here. Um, in his book, in David X's book, And the Truth Shall Set You Free, which he wrote in 1995, he did a little bit of Holocaust denying and or questioning. <laughs> he dabbled in it. Dabbled in he it. Just, he just got his fingers wet with he, it. He insinuated that the Jews made World War II inevitable and that they, like, financed Hitler to power. Um, <laughs> oh, weirdly, his publisher dropped him. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I, what so was from, the conflict? From, from, you mean I, to tell I can't me that, You mean to tell me there's, like, there's Jews in publishing? I, or just, like, people who don't hate <laughs> Jews and don't want to support someone who does? Yeah, that too, I guess. Um, <laughs> so... He he self-published that book in every subsequent book. He basically opened up his own publishing company and has just done it himself. Uh, um, self-made man. Self-made anti-Semite. Yep. <laughs> you know, believe in yourself. Yeah, you know what? That's the moral of the story. That's the takeaway is if people don't like uh, your anti-Semitism, just, just find just a way. Keep on keeping on. Keep on hating. You'll uh, find a way. Uh, don't you worry. People always do keep on hating. They sure do. Um, so his kind of key ideas, and he has a lot of them at one point uh, in what it was, I basically just consulted Wikipedia on all this, but at one point they were referencing like the fact that he essentially has a stance on like every conspiracy theory. Like he's (laughs) written a lot of stuff. He's talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, his main ideas, he's very new agey. He believes that public figures are reptilians or pedophiles. Okay. Um, <laughs> he believes in reincarnation. He believes in a collective consciousness, mm-hmm. um, which kind of makes sense of the son of Godhead thing. Yeah, right. Um, well, you can't not believe in collective consciousness yeah. and share it with the Godhead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he believes other worlds exist alongside ours. He refers to that as modal realism. And he believes in the law of attraction. It's oh like the secret yeah. kind of shit. If you think good thoughts, you attract good things. You think bad thoughts, you attract bad things. So it seems like he just basically agrees with all the things that either sound really good to him or explain why the world is bad. Which is kind yeah. of the nature of all conspiracy theory. It's the nature of... A lot of our beliefs. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons we believe certain religious things. It's mm-hmm. it's the reason ancient peoples had the mythologies that they had. Yeah. Because we need to explain things that we don't know. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of like mystery our brains can handle and like it's not very much. Yeah. <laughs> like we need yeah. to have an explanation. Yeah. So, I get it. And if you're either incurious or scientifically illiterate or otherwise just desperate, all these things start to come together as, like, yeah. plausible realities. And, and we have discussed, you and I personally, the fact that there's a certain type of person that, or a certain type of personality that leans toward believing in conspiracy theories. And mm-hmm. it's the kind of person who 
wants to feel special or like they know they have one up on someone. They know something other people don't know. The keeper of the they're, sacred information. Yeah, they're special because their mind is open to it. Yeah, and you and you and, if, and you could get in too, but you just you're not as open or you're yeah, not as and that's you know that's kind of the feeling I get when I read all this stuff about David Ick is like uh-huh. I kind of feel really sad for him. Mm-hmm. It's just like. <laughs> the dog. Stupid dog. <laughs> um, I don't feel sad for him. <laughs> no, it's just... Like, I just feel like he, he wants to be a part of something. He yeah. wants... I don't know. Like, I, I shouldn't feel bad for the guy. He's, no, he's, he's making a, his bank. But... He's a human being, though. He's like, you feel bad for his gullibility. You feel bad for his desperate, you know, the I mean, I nature. don't... Let, let me be clear. <laughs> yeah. Not okay with anti-Semitism. No. I'm not okay with any of that it goes, shit. It goes without saying. But you know, I'm a fairly empathetic person, and it's just like I can just imagine. Yeah. Why he feels the need to come up with these ideas, or yeah. he? I'm I'm sure he fully believes them, and I'm sure he fully believes he's receiving spiritual messages. Yeah, but it's pitiful. Um, it's a little sad. Yeah, it's pretty pitiful. Um, Some of the origins of, before we really get into what all this is, what reptilians are, because I'm basically done with talking about David X background. Okay. Um, There's a theory by uh, Michael Barkin, who's a poli-sci professor, Uh that the origin of kind of the reptilian idea comes from stories by Robert E. Howard, who wrote Conan the Barbarian. Okay. He also wrote a story called The Shadow Kingdom. Uh, it featured serpent men who lived in underground passages. They shapeshifted, had mind control powers, and controlled humanity. Okay. This will sound really familiar later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, also, Clark Ashton Smith, another author who kind of used the ideas of the, like, the Shadow Kingdom and also the, like... Um, H.P. Lovecraftian ideas. Mm -hmm. So he, Robert E. Howard, and H.P. Lovecraft sort of created the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. Um, Maurice Doriel wrote... They're a nonfiction author. I'm not sure if this book, this pamphlet they wrote was nonfiction. Okay. Or just like a, a pulp kind of thing. Yeah. But it was a pamphlet titled Mysteries of the Gobi. About a serpent race. I'm like, clearly it's not nonfiction, nonfiction, <laughs> but I don't know if they publish it as nonfiction or not. Yeah. Um, it featured this serpent race. I also wrote a poem called The Emerald Tablets. It's basically the Babylonian creation myth, which you will get into how that relates to reptilians. Uh-huh. Um but it bears a lot of resemblance to what David Ick wrote about in Children of the Matrix. Um, so this guy, Michael Birkin, is like it. He just read a lot of Shadow Kingdom uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> kind of <laughs> took some of these ideas. Obviously, he was influenced by a lot of different authors. These aren't all completely original ideas. He's not the one who came up with this theory on his own. They kind of borrow from like some literary tropes to begin with or like some existing narratives. He's the one who popularized it. Yeah. 
But he's not the only one who talked about or talked about it or came up with it. Yeah. Um, and then I also want to talk about like in we hear a lot of alien abduction stories. People talk about seeing reptilian type creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first and most popular ones was Herbert Shermer, who was a police officer, uh, was abducted by a UFO in 1967. And stated they were a reptilian in appearance with a winged serpent emblem on their chest. Hmm. Um, it people for some reason think it might have been a hoax or, or Targaryens. I'm not sure. They could be Targaryens. Yeah, it's probably Targaryens. Um, so that's just kind of some background uh-huh. to keep in mind. At this point, <laughs> I wrote. Here's the good shit. Oh boy, the good shit. If that wasn't the good shit, what's this? Yeah, we're getting into it. Hey, we're in the thick of it now, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> um so he wrote in his book The The Biggest Secret in 1999. The book is called The Biggest Secret. Mm-hmm. And he's about to reveal it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Many prominent figures derive from Anunnaki. I will explain what that is in a minute. Uh, It's like a a pastry ball, right? It's like a a a little little dough dough noodle. No. Yeah. Okay. A-N-U-N-N-A-K-I is one spelling, uh, which is a reptilian race from the Draco constellation. Sure. Uh, And then in... (laughs) Human race, get off your knees. The lions sleep no more. That's the whole title of the book. <laughs> you got real wacky with some of these. Uh, oh, there's some real good book titles. They sound, they sound like prog rock um, albums. He, he discusses how the moon and Saturn come into play with all this. I'll really get into that <laughs> later. Um, yeah, he just want to reinforce not totally original. He's inspired by Behold a Pale Horse by Bill Cooper, mm-hmm. Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara Marciniak, The Twelfth Planet um, by Zechariah Sitchin, and Credo Mutua, a Zulu healer. Credo Mutua? Mutua. M-U-T-W-A. Credo Mutua. Credo Mutua. That does not sound like... That's just so silly. All right. And he's a Zulu healer. What do you want his name to be? I don't know, but Credo is one hell of a first name. <laughs> um, and then obviously Robert E. Howard and Maurice Doriel mm-hmm. that we just talked about. Yeah. So, humans have been genetically manipulated by reptilians. Did you know that? I did not, but I fully believe it. We have been. Um... There's a Babylonian Brotherhood, <laughs> a.k.a. the Illuminati. Okay. They're a hybrid race of human and extraterrestrial reptilians. Okay. Now, these hybrid, this hybrid race, which is the Babylonian Brotherhood. Sure, the Illuminati. The Illuminati. Are descendants of reptilians from the constellation Draco who live in caverns inside the Earth. Uh, sure. Now, these are the Anunnaki. Now, do they have like eight Jew bankers in there too? Because I'm pretty sure that's a thing. It's like the lipti- the reptilians and the Jew bankers hang out and do I'm, some kind I'm of global sure finance. I'm sure they're all okay. they're all reptilians. All right, we'll have to look into Every the Jew banker. banker theory. 
<laughs> Drew Baker. Who's Drew Baker? <laughs> oh yeah, there's eight Drew Bakers. It's real. It's real. I weird. buy it. I <laughs> ship it. Ship it. Um. So the Anunnaki. Mm-hmm. Delicious. <laughs> Anisnaki. Mm. That would not be disgusting. delicious. That sounds disgusting. It's repulsive idea. Um, anyway. The Anunnaki are actually a group of deities in mythological traditions of the Sumerians, Akkadians, Assyrians, and Babylonians. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a lot of different stories and mythologies surrounding them. In ancient Sumerian cultures, they believed that they were the most powerful gods. They descended from An, who was it's An, mm-hmm. who was the god of the heavens. Um, in other beliefs, they were the seven judges in the underworld. In Old Babylonian, they were the gods of the underworld. Um, Enuma Elise is the Babylonian creation myth. And David Ick surmised that the Anunnaki, these reptilian aliens, were actually these creatures, these gods that were in the Babylonian creation myth. They weren't gods. They were these reptilian overlord type people. Things. Okay, sure. Um, he also thinks they were like the watchers. They were like the angels who mated with humans. Okay. I get the idea. So basically the weird, real weird things you hear about that were potentially gods or mythological creatures. Just he attributes all... it. They're, they're the Anunnaki. They're these reptilians. So the Anunnaki came to earth. Uh, according to Zechariah Sitchin, which is someone who inspired David Ick, they came for our precious metals. According to David Ick, they came for monatomic gold. That is not a thing because only gases can be monatomic. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But they came for monatomic gold. <laughs> I'm sorry um, they were disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they weren't because the parent, they found it. That's why they're here. Okay. It increases their nervous system capacity. So they ingest it. It allows them to process vast amounts of information. Uh, they're able to speed up transdimensional travel and shapeshift from reptilian to human form. Okay. It sounds like some real good shit. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm going to get me a big heaping balloon full of that. I want some of that monatomic gold. Mm-mm-mm. Tasty, breathable you know, gold. M A G. M A A U. Okay. <laughs> so, two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand years ago, were were when the first reptilian human breeding programs took place. Okay. Uh, possibly creating Adam of the Adam and Eve myth. Okay. 7,000 years ago was the third and latest breeding program. Now, in this breeding program, they erred on the side of more Anunnaki traits and less human traits. So these are the most powerful. Right. These are the ones that control today's world. Okay. So all of our global leaders that run everything that are reptilians, these are the ones. These are the ones. They're 7,000 years old. 
all. I mean, the, well, that's when the breeding program took place. Uh, so there, there still might be some like breeding happening. Mm-hmm. But these are the real powerful guys. Gotcha. So. I'm just trying to figure out how we get to Turtley Mitch McConnell. But please go on. <laughs> turtle. He's a turtle. He he really is. Uh, just just watch his eyelids. He's the one I could buy. <laughs> He's the one I'm so, like, no, he's definitely a reptile person. <laughs> uh, he just wants to bathe in the sun. Yeah, just so, someone get pond. Mitch McConnell like a big glass tank and a rock and a leaf and some water. He's so happy. That dude, just put him in He'd there. He'd leave us all alone. <laughs> <We> just... <laughs> um, so the Babylonian Brotherhood. Yeah. It just, it sounds like a wrestling tag team. Okay. Yeah, it does. Anyway, their their goal is a microchipped population and fascist world government. Well, God, they've been taking their sweet ass time <laughs> seven thousand years, and I still don't have they're a chip start, in me. They're starting with the dogs. They're getting us to microchip all the dogs. They're starting small. Wait, so that is part of the? No, no, no. Oh, I mean, okay. that, that's I not real. Say, I thought they really believed that. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Not that I know of. That was a joke. When they I came for they the dogs, no one spoke for them. <laughs> <laughs> so they create and control yeah. such illustrious organizations as the United Nations. Everything, right? <laughs> and the, the list goes on and on. I'm just, I picked out a few. Yeah. Um, International Monetary Fund, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, Mossad, CIA, Media, Military, mm-hmm. science, religion, mm-hmm. in the internet. Uh, of course. Suspiciously absent from this list is Yum Brands, the uh, owners of Taco Bell. Um, definitely reptiles. <laughs> definitely. How else do they read my mind and know that I want a Dorito to be the outside of my taco? Clearly mind control. How did they know that I wanted my chalupa to be completely unedible because it was stuffed so much? Yes. Reptilians. Mind reading. So, included in the reptilian bloodline as of 2003. A little outdated. Okay. So I'm sure there are more now. (laughs) 43 American presidents. Sure. More now, I'm sure. Well, we're on 45, so. Mm -hmm. Three British and two Canadian prime ministers. Mm -hmm. Several Sumerian kings. Several Egyptian pharaohs, some celebrities, mm-hmm. of course, the British royal family. Naturally, well, that this one is, I we've all too. heard this. I believe that one too. For um, sure. Rockefellers, etc., uh-huh. etc. Et like there's, uh, the list goes on and the on. The Gettys, the mm-hmm. Rothschilds, yes, <laughs> and Colonel Sanders. I don't know if he's actually on their list, but the Rothschilds definitely are. Oh yeah, if you're um, rich enough. How else? Anyone, anyone rich and powerful, clearly. Uh-huh. So, some people, I didn't look up who they are. I get the feeling they're, like, fellow conspiracy theorists, but maybe trying to keep it a little more rational. Mm-hmm. So, at some point, they would, they've swooped in and been like, oh, no, 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 Ick is using this as an allegory to depict alienating nature of global capitalism. Oh, that's what he really meant when he said to something which, very specific. To which David Ick says, no, it's not an allegory. 
Wait, so he actually responded? He just like, responded and oh, like, it's no, not an allegory. No, bro, thanks, no, but I, I got I this one. I believe this. Hold my beer, I'm going to ruin the rest of my credibility. <laughs> well, he, he has surpassed credibility. Yeah, yeah no, he's he transcended. He doesn't need it anymore. He has, that is the word. He's transcended. He's transcended the concept of being credible. <laughs> so we we need to talk about dimensions. Oh boy. They can travel dimensions? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So they're from, the reptilians are from the lower level. Oh boy. Of the fourth dimension. <laughs> it's the lower astral dimension. It's the Dimension closest to our physical world. This is silly. Now the universe... Baby, don't just write it off. (laughs) I'm sorry, please. The universe consists of multiple dimensions sharing the same space. Sure. (laughs) Okay. You can understand this. So, and and this is, I want to point out, like, this is kind of a thing that a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. Like the the many worlds theory, yeah. Um, maybe not as specific as this, but this is an idea. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, the universe consists of multiple dimensions sharing the same space. Uh-huh. Not everyone can pass from dimension to dimension, but these reptilians can. Right. I mean, they've got the monatomic gold. Naturally. It helps them travel the dimensions. Their nervous systems are so sharp now because they huffed all that gold in the yeah. center of a volcano. It's just, it reminds me of uh, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Kelly with, with a ring of paint ring around of his paint. face. I just, like, imagine, that you can tell who the reptilians are because they got, like, a ring of gold. Or something. <laughs> just huffing it out of a can, like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's real good. Um... But, you know, keep in mind, so you can be controlled by the dimension lower than yours and closest to yours. So they are in the fourth dimension. Sure. They can control us, but the reptilians can and are being controlled by beings from the fifth dimension. Yeah. So it it just, it goes on and on. I see. Um, Boy, they've given themselves a lot of wiggle room on this one. Exactly. So I wanted to bring up a concept, another concept you and I discuss a lot when we talk about different religions and and different pseudoscience things. Uh Uh-huh. It's what we call the trap door. Yeah, right. Which is when when there's any kind of argument, when you try to rationally or logically discuss something with someone who believes things like this, Mm -hmm. and you say, well, how did they get here? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there are multiple dimensions. Right, yeah. And then you have to argue the credibility of there being multiple dimensions. There are just layers and layers and layers. There's yeah. always a trap door to fall into. And then you're arguing the finer points of that, and you yeah. can't even argue the bigger issue. Well, it's it's, it's a refutation by way of obscure, <laughs> obscuring. So rather, yes. than, rather than talk about anything... Just abstracted up the next logical layer. So it's so, it's been accused as being an, an easy out. Yeah. For explaining how reptilians got here. Yeah, it's a rhetorical trap. It's garbage. Yeah. So uh, reptilians feed on human anxiety used as energy. They must love you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised there's not one under the table licking my it's, knee right now. Oh, oh, he is. That's not your dog. Mm, yeah. Ew, ew, <laughs> gross. Ew, lizard Oh, man. that reminds me. Do you remember that creepy story 
that when it's always it's like an urban legend of like someone home alone with the dog and she feels safe because the dog licks her hand but at some point she gets up and goes to the bathroom because she hears dripping and it's the dog and she finds out like there's a message on the mirror that says humans can lick too and it was the person that killed the dog under her bed licking her hand no i have never heard that story it haunts me that's (laughs) (laughs) this takes up an outsized percentage of oh it's one of the reasons i'm still afraid of the dark oh my god really you actually think about that in the dark i don't like my limbs to hang off the side of the bed because i'm afraid someone's gonna lick me (laughs) are you serious Man, this is an interesting. Ugh. This is an interesting. Not in like a clearly I know it's no, not going to happen. But like, but like we all have irrational fears. Yeah, that's really one of yours. When when I moved, oh yeah, when I moved into the basement, it took me a long time to like damper down the anxiety. Yeah. Every time I'd go downstairs, to not run from the stairs and jump into oh, my bed. I always did that when I had a basement bedroom. Always um, did that. And the dark, I have to, terrible. I have to, like, every now and then it gets, no, I've been living down there for a while, it's not as bad, but every now and then I get amped up, yeah. and I have to actually think, like, no, don't yeah. freak out, we're gonna calmly walk to the bed, we're <laughs> going to get in bed, yeah. it's going to be okay, right. nothing is wrong, nothing is hiding in the basement, yeah. I have to, like, talk myself down. Nothing is gonna lick Nothing's you. Nothing's gonna lick you from underneath your bed and pretend to be a dog that you don't have (laughs) Uh, anxieties man the reptilians love us i imagine so um this is why they encourage wars sure um they create division to divide and conquer humanity they take credit for such things as oklahoma city bombing global warming chemtrails water fluoridation (laughs) 9-11 and Columbine. Wow. You can't, listeners can't see my pointing in every direction. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's exactly what I was exactly pointing in every direction. Um, <clears throat> they use these events to respond in ways to justify the actions they wanted to take. Yeah. To begin with. Or to respond in ways and justify the actions they wanted to take to begin with. So, say they, they wanted... Outrage. They wanted to do a specific thing. They orchestrate an event so they get to do the thing they wanted to do in response to. Oh man! So, for example, say for some reason it behooved the reptilians to create war, more war and distress in Afghanistan. They did nine (laughs) eleven. We want to get the terrorists. That's not specifically one they mentioned, but that's the kind of idea. Yeah. It's like they, they want to do a thing. They manipulate the environment so they do the thing. The biggest problem with this, and I'm sure you've already given this some thought, is that it's one of, like many other things, it's completely unfalsifiable. Well, you and can't also prove the fact they that didn't. If they are... These beings that are able to mind control and manipulate, and they're so powerful, who gives a fuck if there's an actual reason for you to do what you want to do? Just fucking do it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, we're under your control anyway. Yeah. What are we going to do? What are we going to question? But I guess they 
They want to be subtle. They don't really want us to know. They want to keep us under wraps, which getting to something here. Okay. There are three categories of people. There are red dresses, which are the brotherhood. Sure. They're an interactive software program. So I was really having a hard time figuring out if David Ick meant this metaphorically <laughs> or literally. Okay. Because it's hard to distinguish with him. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like like the red dresses are just people that are like controllable completely. Well, they are the reptilians. They are the, uh. the hybrids. They lack consciousness and free will. Their human bodies are holographic veils. Okay, sure. Naturally. Number two. Yeah. Second type of people. The sheeple. <laughs> Wake up. Wake sheeple. up, sheeple. That's most of us. Yeah. Most of humanity. Uh, we're conscious, but we do as we're told. Uh, we're the brotherhoods. I wrote beehoods, main B-hood. energy source. The beehood. Uh, we're the repeaters, people of influence who just repeat what they're told. Right. Uh, they listed like teachers, scientists, you know, <laughs> yeah, anyone who speaks reason. Yeah, right. That's like you know maybe include like uh, shrinks in that list. <laughs> and then, yeah, number three, there's the people who see through it all. Oh, the smarties! All the bullshit. They're they're. <laughs> Called dangerous or mad. Um, or I want to point out David Ick, exactly. <laughs> I want to point out the fact that the other two groups <coughs> are dismissed. Yeah, they are labeled. Yeah, they're dehumanized. Yeah, except for Group Three, they're not given an actual title. Yeah, right. They're just the people who see through it. Right. They are clearly the, the David Ick's of the world. With the, the good information. People um, just wanted to point that out. <laughs> so the red dresses interbreed to avoid breeding with sheeple and the people who see through it all <laughs> because consciousness rewrites the software. Yeah, sure. Right. Uh, it kind of overwrites that. They could see through everything and start questioning things and you don't want that. You don't want that in your mind control organization. That's no good. No, of course not. So then... He talks about, in one of his books, um, this whole world we live in. Yeah. Not only are we being manipulated by reptilians and controlled by reptilians, everyone in power is basically a part of this brotherhood, the Illuminati. Mm -hmm. Um, Every conflict is because of them. All of this stuff. But our entire reality is basically just... A holographic signal. This is getting just downright silly. So now everything's to phony too. Like the reality <laughs> that we believe. It's the is, Matrix. So originally in one of his books, David Ick says it, this signal comes from the moon. He later amended this to say that it comes from the rings of Saturn, which were created by the reptilians. They're the source of the signal and the moon acts as an amplifier of this <laughs> holographic signal which creates the matrix that we live in okay so our entire reality Mm -hmm. is this holographic generation by the reptilians so i'm sure they don't believe we got to the moon and hit a golf ball on it 
Because that would throw a real probably wrench in the not. works. <laughs> probably not. I mean, he doesn't believe in the Holocaust. He probably doesn't believe in the moon landing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. If you can if you can disbelieve in the Holocaust, which is one of the grisliest things we have record of on planet uh, Earth. Yeah. The moon landing's a piece of cake to brush <laughs> off. So that it that's basically it. <laughs> oh my god. That's all that I got. I, and then you want to talk about any of this? Yeah, you know, I just actually I dropped some truth bombs on you. You dropped a lot of truth bombs on me. <laughs> I I think I'm going to stay a sheeple. I think I I know I'm a sheeple and I could probably move up to being one of the people who knows what's up, but I think I'm probably going to stay a sheeple cuz it's pretty good and there's Xbox. Like I don't um, think David Ick gets to do that. Well, not when you do 10-hour lectures. Right. No. He's, like, way you too busy. You don't got busy. time for that. No. He is really busy. He's, he's a really busy dude. He does lecture a lot. Um, he's still active? Like, he's still Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. When I first started doing the research on this, I was going to start out by watching one of his videos on YouTube. I remember you telling me a little bit about that. I got about 30 seconds in <laughs> and was like, I got no clue. Like... <laughs> He was talking about stuff already, and I was just like, "Fucking lost!" Yeah, I'm so right. lost because they have their so, own language. They've yeah. like all. That's why it takes so much effort and this to is talk like, about. This. Most of this is from Wikipedia. Yeah. It's pretty boiled down. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to this. Watch one of his videos. Yeah. Watch anything about reptilians. Uh-huh. Read one of his books. Maybe don't pay for it, but... <laughs> yeah, don't pay him for it. Read one of his books. You're just going to keep him from having to hit rock bottom and get a therapist. Don't pay him money at this point. The baby, the therapist. <laughs> yeah, right. Controlled by the reptilians. One of the dummy repeaters who <sighs> doesn't understand the real truth. So, it there's so much here. I mean, I easily could have... I know. I could have just read about the, you know, the... Anunnaki, the actual mm. mythology of them yeah. for ages. I just, I went to a Wiki, Wikipedia page on Anunnaki just to understand what they really are, to, yeah. to understand where this was coming from. And, and noped out at some point. Well, I, I read just enough to get the basics. Yeah. And I was like, I can't. There's, it was, it was getting late. It was, <laughs> I had to work this morning at eight in the morning and I was just like, I need to get through it. <laughs> what is amazing about these things to me is that anything like this, which is so, okay, okay. So here's how I think it works: is that because there's the theories so like vague and 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 not not demonstrable in any way, but addresses like every problem in the world. Mm-hmm. It just lends to these people just growing it themselves. Like it's a self-growing mythology. It Everything can fit in. And builds. It's just got all these snap-on builds. parts just glommed onto it's, it. It's like Legos. Yeah, it really is. You could dem- you could just put anything under this hood and just also, make it work. It really hurts when you step on it. Yeah, right. Don't step on conspiracy theories. Same exact thing in every uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. I, I gotta be honest. I I do. You know the thing is, I I still think David Ick is a piece of shit, but he's a piece of shit. I feel a little bad for because there's something wrong with this guy. Clearly, <sighs> you know, like there's a real deep sad need for like validation I, in there somewhere and to be special. I feel kind of I feel sad for him. I like I I don't want to judge people I don't understand. Yeah. He has a lot of very troubling beliefs. Yeah. Um, you, you can't deny the Holocaust. 
and be an okay person. Yeah, I that's well, that's that's you cer- you struggle and pain and loss that you you're just yeah. it's like to a much lesser extent as far as volume goes, yeah. but like people who deny that Sandy Hook was a real thing. That one just bothers like, me so much. Do you know how hurtful that is to the people who lost mm. loved ones? Like mm. it's it's so awful to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And it just lacks it it speaks to a certain lack of self-awareness and lack of awareness of others' feelings. Yeah. To be like Oh, well, I mean, I I know that someone you love died, but it's all fake. Yeah, it's like your tragedy is my playground for these weird theories I have. It's It's like they relish in it because they get to be the one that reveals it all. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Bobby, take a back seat for a second and understand (laughs) that there's like real human emotions happening around you. And maybe don't be like, aha! Yeah, everything is not about how special and smart and in the know you are. Yeah. And it's, he's troubling to me because of that very thing. It's like, great, you think you're special, but like, you don't get to deny the pain and suffering and loss. Unless it sells lots of books. Uh, It clearly has. (laughs) I mean, he's still doing it. Yeah. He's not completely bankrupt. Although at one point I did read something about like, he made like a, a TV channel, essentially. Oh, my God. It was on the internet. Yeah. Um, it was, like, called David Ick TV or something like that. <laughs> and he essentially donated his time to it. Yeah. And it, it didn't happen I'm after, sure it like, a year. Exploded. It just it collapsed. Yeah. Like, he, he kind of pulled out of it and then... Around that time, it just stopped broadcasting anything. Yeah. So, so he's he's had some failures. Yeah. Um, I want to see Terry Wogan rip him up. I really do. I gotta be. Honest. I, I would like to watch that the video. Beeb. The Beeb. Watch um, it on the Beeb. I've never. I don't really know much about Terry Wogan. Yeah, it's just he's on the Beeb. <laughs> <laughs> you just like saying that. I just like saying the Beeb. Understandable. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's pretty cute. So yeah, that is uh, Reptilians. Were you spooked? I was spooked. I was pulled along the whole way by the ankle, kicking and screaming. <laughs> I went to weird places. Oh, I heard you. Yeah. I gotta say, that was really thorough. I really appreciate that. That was way more than I expected to learn about David oh, Icke and man, the Reptilians. there's just so much. I know. There's just more and more and more. Guys. Uh, <laughs> guys just like you can dig and i didn't even go to message ports yeah right. i didn't even want to fall into this no because there's just so much more you could do there it's also that like there's this little part of me when i start researching stuff like this that i'm like oh man the veil is so thin mm-hmm. like at any point i could just absolutely buy in yep and because there are threads of Things that make sense. Sure. Because of that thing That's why in these us, things work in the first yeah, place. Yeah, that thing in us that appeals... Either cause and effect or vague reason or... explaining things we don't understand and... Yeah. And wanting to be in the know. Like, mm-hmm. all of us have some of that inside of us. Yes. Um, and you and I are searchers. Mm. And we're, we're kind of researchers by nature. Curious people. Yeah. 
There's a lot of room under that tent for curious people if you're not willing to be very careful about checking what you believe if against you, reality. Yes. Use critical thinking and be a little skeptical. Um, well, there's I, a lot. I it's think, so much. I think you did a fantastic job with this. I really appreciate it. I hope all I did it justice. That was super thorough. This is also our longest podcast yet. Uh, um, I had six pages of notes. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I just, I kept writing and going, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, quite an icky adventure uh, we just had. Oh God, you had to do that. Yeah, I just like saying icky. I am, I we talked about this brief, briefly, but I think I am going to compile all the notes I take yeah. from the episodes and kind of keep them together. You have yours in Google Docs, uh-huh. so we have records of yeah. them. It would be a good idea. Then we could maybe revisit these sometime down the line and just uh, follow yeah. up on little threads that we didn't quite pull. Yeah. That might be really interesting. It's just mm-hmm. to do a little a little uh, extra feature on Maybe some we'll have some guests on at some point if they happen to know yeah. um, specifics about something that we discussed or they want to investigate another angle. We can open that up. That'd be great. If you, in fact, if you're listening to this and any of the topics that we talked about, we didn't address something important or you happen to have some special interest in this. David Ick, come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> David Ick, we know you're listening. Thanks a lot, buddy. Not so cool with the Jew don't, stuff, but don't, you know. Uh, don't deny the Holocaust. <laughs> but and, other than uh, don't that, be anti-Semitic. I mean, bang up job being famous and shit. Really. Good self-made, on self-made man. Self-made man. Because the world tried to ruin him for good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been a third episode of our show. I had a lot of fun here. I know a lot more about reptilians than I thought I would. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. I s- know more about reptilians than I ever needed to. Yeah, I'm not going to use this you information know, in any way, but I'm super glad I have it. We're learning new things. Yes, we are. That's we the- are going to have so much useless knowledge. Oh, yeah. This is going to be like... It's great. I'm like already forgetting my sixth birthday just thinking about this shit. I'm already the weird person at my workplace that like just has random factoids about stuff like this mm-hmm. all the time. So I apologize in advance to everyone I annoy with this insane excessive information. Oh, yeah. Um, That's why we're doing the podcast. We need an outlet. uh well thank you very much for listening uh we'll see you thank you for joining us on this goose chase on this internet goose chase is the title making sense yet do you get it now (laughs) do we uh do do we need to repeat it some more Um, Uh, maybe we'll tie it in some more yeah we'll chase some more geese yeah we'll, we'll chase geese we'll chase geese but not in real life because they're assholes next week new goose More chase. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you would like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. Want to go on a goose chase? Yes. <laughs>